Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Afterwork Drinks, your weekly dose of news, pop culture, and Pinot Noir, brought to you by magazine editors and best friends, Isabel Truman and Grace O'Neill. Hello, we're alive. We are alive and well. We survived Milan, which I feel like we originally would have been like, oh, we survived Milan Fashion Week, haha, but we really did survive Milan because there was a huge coronavirus <laughs> breakout. Yeah. And we had to be smuggled out of the country. Yeah. So. so on one of the last days of Fashion Week... Um, which we were both there for our respective workplaces. Um, we, it was the Armani show that was for the first thing. I woke up in the morning and it was supposed to be on that afternoon and the, the news had broken that um, Giorgio Armani had, had cancelled it and made it so that guests couldn't come and they would just show it to an empty room. And I was like, what? That seems wild. Mm. And then we looked it up and all of these people were passing away. Yeah, well, I was... I was like to Izzy, I've looked it up and it's only in northern Italy, so we're fine. And then I was on Google Maps and I was scrolling up further and further and Milan could just not be more north. Yeah. So the area we were in, there was a big coronavirus breakout, basically, and people have been quarantined and they're trying to contain it and there's whole hotels that have been quarantined. Everyone was wearing those surgical face masks on the street. All public events were banned by the government in terms yeah. of nighttime events and art galleries, as we discovered. Yeah, we tried to go to an art gallery, and it was like a zombie town. There was those, yeah. what is it, when those hay barrel things just roll down the street? <laughs> like zombie apocalypse. Yeah, and we, yeah. Were, we were like, let's go to the Prada Foundation and got on this tram, and then everyone had those face masks on. And then we um, got to the Prada Foundation. It was just locked and closed, and we walked into this place, and I was like, I was like, why isn't the gallery open? And the man just looked at me and goes, do you know what's going on in the world? <laughs> I felt like we were in a like pandemic, a movie. Yeah. And then every single place we tried to buy face masks, they were all sold out. It was sold out everywhere. Everywhere I walked into, they were like, finito tutti. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so annoying. Yeah. So, and then we thought that we weren't even going to be able to get. So then on the last day of Fashion Week, all the people we talked to were boosting out earlier. So they were getting earlier flights and getting out of Milan. And our flight wasn't till the next day. So mm. we were just like, okay. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, it was a pretty crazy week. So many bad things happened. Yeah, we've realized that. I don't. I feel like we were partly cursed on the transportation front. We had yeah. so many disasters. I think something that you had said, but we didn't really properly internalize was that it's so hard to get taxis around that city yeah so uber doesn't exist you can't hail cabs and so you have to book them but then in Milan every Fashion time Week, that we use the app to book them they couldn't find a driver and then you have to basically line up at a taxi rank you have to find a taxi rank and line up like a bus stop and every time we went there'd be 20 to 30 people lining up and just no taxis for half an hour. I really put my anxiety in overdrive. Yeah, so for one of the shows, we were running so late and we jumped on the back of a cab and I was like, you need to rush, sir. And it was just standstill traffic and he just scoffed at me. And then we were just sitting in there for so, 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 so long. And then we got so close to the show and I was like, Grace, we just literally have to get out and run or we're not going to get in. And so we got out. I took off my heels and was sprinting down the street. <laughs> sprinting. I actually felt like I was going to have an asthma attack afterwards and I don't have asthma. Yeah, I do have asthma and I was near death after <laughs> yeah, that. That was, was horrific. So, so puffed. And we're very punctual. Anxious people yeah. who are very punctual. So it's very stressful to be. Just the sitting and not being able to move. I am the worst. It's so frustrating. I'd rather have jogged the whole way there in a pair of Nike sneakers. I'm the worst version of myself in the back of cabs. There is no time you'll ever find me in a worse state than in the back of a cab. Izzy was like, Grace, you were just deep breathing. It was so stressful, like adding to the stress because I was like... (laughs) 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 Like Having a panic attack in the back seat. I know. I was just popping rescue remedies. But we we didn't miss anything. Yeah, we got there in the end. I'm it was impressed a with us. Dress and a half. Me sprinting down the street. I had stockings on and no shoes. Yes, and Izzy was in this beautiful dress. And she's Izzy's a big hit in Italy. We had a lot of men who were obsessed with Izzy on the street, this and there was they were all just staring at her as she barreled past <laughs> this angel in this yellow dress and no shoes, being like, "We need to go." And this happened. Like, Grace, last... hurry up! Because I was like doubled over behind her. This happened last time I was in Europe. I feel like it's a thing with the pale skin, because because. So last time I went to Europe, I went with my friend Vanya and Maya, who are ridiculously beautiful Croatian beauties with tanned skin. And in New Zealand, everyone loses their mind. And then in in Europe, no one really looked twice because they just look like all the Europeans. They just look stunning. And then because I have such pasty skin. (laughs) Don't put yourself down. And dark, dark hair and the blue eyes. I feel like it's It's a deadly combination. Something like that. Because it happened happened last time, yeah, in, in Berlin that my friend couldn't let me walk to the ATM by myself because I because I'd be kind of accosted by a group of men and then yeah it happened to get in Italy so I'm moving there now everywhere we walked there would just be an old I don't know signora signoro <laughs> what the word is we'd just stop on the street and ogle Izzy we should tell him about um the cafe Oh, yeah, the cafe. So we went and got breakfast one morning and we were standing up at the cafe having a coffee and a croissant. Very Italian style. Yes, and then we turned around and two men were just standing there staring at us and there there was this small man who just beelined for Grace (laughs) and he was like speaking so fast and he was kind of like, what are you doing this weekend and blah, 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 blah. And then Grace's face was just, please stop talking to me. And then I tur- and then I pivoted a little bit to my left and just saw this tall, dark and handsome French man just smiling at me. Yeah. And so while this man was having a go at Grace and he goes, you look like that actress, that actress. 
um, you look like the actress. And he was French, so he, he, didn't, he spoke broken English. And he was kind of staring at me to try and help him figure out who the actress was Grace looked like. And then he goes, big. And he, like, motioned about boobs. He goes, Marvel, big tits. And you were like, Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> and he goes, yes, but, like, not the tits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is not working for you as a pickup. Yeah. Anyway, was... that was a nice little boost to my confidence. No, and then we literally, so they were kind of asking what we're doing. We're trying to get rid of them, even though the tall, dark, and handsome French man was quite cute, but he just didn't speak a word of English. And then we left the cafe, and we're walking down the street to try and go to our first show, and the little man who had just attacked Grace in the cafe um, was just, like, already talking to another girl. It was honestly less than two yards outside of the cafe. He'd already, like, found another person. And then we said, hey, as we walked past, and he ran over and he said, I'm just asking her for directions. I'm not (laughs) asking her out. I was like, we're not together. It's okay. And Grace goes, I have a boyfriend. It's fine. (laughs) Oh, my God. It was so funny. Um, anyway, big in Italy. And there was this man who was staring at Izzy on the train and I was getting so uncomfortable because it was he was being so blatant and he had a stupid scarf on. And then Izzy finally noticed and we just stared back at him and started laughing and then he was embarrassed and turned around. Yeah. <laughs> I was so empowered. I was like, you can't just stare at women on the train and make them feel uncomfortable. I had noticed them staring, but I thought that they were talking shit about us. That's what I always think when you can't understand what people are saying in their language. They afterwards. Well, yeah, they would have been afterwards, after we started laughing at them. Um, Yeah, and then the final thing that happened was we got on a bus to go to the airport to head back to London, and I have been to Milan. I went to Milan Fashion Week last season, and so I was like, I'm a seasoned expert. I know exactly what to do. This is what you do, and you beat the system because everyone pays €160 to get a taxi to the airport. Um, and so we got on this bus and I'd said to the woman the right airport. And Izzy had just so confidently guided us the whole way. Like I felt like in the safest pair of hands, we just went like, boom, on the train, off the train, walking left, right, tickets, boom, like on. And then 20 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> it's I swear to God, it's not my fault. It's that woman's fault. I did not say the other airport because I don't even know what the other airport is called. Anyway, so we got on this bus and then I was on Google Maps as I always am. And I was watching it and it was just going in the complete opposite direction. Were you freaking out for a while before you told me? No, because it kept up, Google Maps kept updating and saying you could keep going this way. Yeah. So right. it was like, it just looked like we were going an odd way. But I was like, maybe this is just the route they take. And then at the very, at this we were at this junction and it just turned left instead of right. And I was like, we are fucked. And Izzy goes, look. And she was like, this is where we need to go and this is where we're going. And it was just so far in the other direction. Completely opposite direction, the opposite side of Milan. And then so we're on this freeway. So we just didn't know what to do. And our flight was at 6.30 and it's like 4.30 now. Um, and so anyway, we just had to wait till we got to the airport and we jumped off the bus and the guy was like, no, 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 you guys are Terminal 1. I was like, wrong airport, give me our bags. <laughs> and, then we, and then he opened it and we just hauled our bags out of the bus and all the other bags fell everywhere. Yeah, we it was were, like Jenga, the whole tower fell down and we just <laughs> ran like the clappers to a taxi driver. Yeah, and then we, we got to a taxi driver and I was like, get us to this airport. And he was just like, all right. And then he was so relaxed, even though I was like full panic mode. He was mode. the best. I want to have him on the podcast. He's our hero. We're like, we need to get there in an hour. And he goes, okay. And then just guns it down this highway like it was a Hollywood movie. It was literally like a race car driver. And then when he got there, he pointed to the thing and it was 48 minutes instead of an hour and five minutes. And Yeah, because he was driving 140k an hour along a highway. (laughs) And for some reason, me and you were just still so jolly. Like we literally 
got to that airport and we're like, okay, we're going to have to book new flights. The reason from this we were airport. very stressful, very stressed, was because everyone had been trying to get out of Milan earlier because of the virus outbreak, and so flights had tripled in price. There was some flights where it was like eight hundred and fifty euros mm. to get a two hour flight to London which is normally that's how much the train bucks. was yeah yeah so we were very stressed and we we're like great we're gonna be stuck in coronavirus capital again for like another indefinite period of time <laughs> for the forever. rest of our lives we're, we're obviously gonna get Milan. the virus and have to stay here so yeah anyway we got there in the end and ran inside and the woman was like you guys are late and then we got on the flight yeah and now we're back back and freezing London for three days before we take off again what's wrong with us I know another great thing that happened at Milan Fashion Week was I converted you to Love is Blind yep and now we're both addicted yep I haven't watched I still I need to go back and watch the first few episodes because Grace was like we'll start you from the beginning and then she couldn't be bothered so I had to start Mm. five episodes in and just got a update on all of the couples but it's, it is kind of a good place to start, but yeah, you want to go back and watch the falling in love things because, for example, you're like Lauren and Cameron aren't cute, but they were cute in the pods. But he's he's very touchy feely in real life. He's a bit full on. He's quite full on and a bit creepy, and he also did an unforgivable rap performance. Oh my god! <laughs> which was like we were both screaming into our pillows when he started. Yeah. So we talked about Love is Blind a couple of weeks ago, but if anyone has forgotten, it is a show that's on Netflix, a dating show, and. Basically, people go onto these pods where you can't see the other person and go on blind dates. And the premise is that you fall in love with someone's personality. And then to get out of the pods, you have to propose, which I think is a bit extreme. It's the best show. Yeah, so then you propose to get out of the pods and then you're taken to a resort with your new fiancé and then you get to know each other there and then you're taken then you move into homes together and then you get married by the end of the show, which is like six weeks. And obviously because everyone was kind of speed dating at the start, there's some people who liked someone in the pods who weren't picked or who want to see someone outside of the pods and find them more attractive than they did in the pods and there's a bit of thing because they're all together. Yes. It's so good. So our favourite contestant ever... Jessica. is Jessica, who's just a queen. She is so messy. <laughs> she's just all over the show constantly. I'm obsessed with her. Yeah, so she's she's just a typical woman where she was like, I want a lovely, nice guy. And then she found a lovely, nice guy. Who's she, obsessed with her and yeah. loves her so much. And she's just nitpicking everything. Yeah, and she's like, I want the hot jock <laughs> as soon as she's out. And then she keeps trying to hit on this hot jock called Barnett, who is just such a babe and such a little angel. And he's really happy with his girl, Amber. But then Jessica keeps getting drunk and trying to hit on Barney and then forgetting what she's saying. So she's told him like 74 times that she can't see him with Amber. And he was like, yes, you've told me this. And she's like, really, when? And he's like, yesterday, (laughs) three days ago, just stop. And then she she always gets really, really wasted. And there was a scene, which is our favourite scene in the history of TV, where she's talking to her fiancé, Mark, and she's drinking a glass of wine out of a giant fishbowl glass and then she just subtly tips it down and her golden Labrador just starts drinking out of it like it's a bowl and then she goes she loves wine and (laughs) carried on talking and carried on drinking it herself I was like that's gross it's so crazy yeah and um then they have a bachelorette party and all the women are together and Jess starts beelining towards Amber whose man she's been trying to steal for the last three weeks and then she beelines towards her and she's like I love my fiance. I'm not trying to steal yours. And Amber was like, 
okay, good, because I'm going to punch you in the face if you try to she steal said, him. if you try to steal him, I would punch you in the face until your nose was broken or something so intense. And then they started kissing. Yeah. I love them all. And, and he- there's a scene where someone's – Jess is really drunk at Barnett's party and she's been playing beer pong and she's just all over the show. And then another couple starts fighting and it just cuts to her and she's just eating fried chicken and <laughs> staring yeah. really glassy-eyed. <laughs> We love Jessica. We love Jessica and I love Gigi. She's so cute. Gigi's so cute. She's I love so her fiery. Too. She's a little firecracker. Sometimes she just pops off and I'm like, calm down. <laughs> about, but we, I never, ever understand what they're fighting about. Neither. And then they'll have a huge fight and she goes, I don't think I love you anymore. And then they're on the bed pashing in two minutes. I know. Very interesting. What's so annoying is that the episodes are still coming out, so we got up to this huge cliffhanger and now we have to wait four whole days to find out what happens. I'm going to scream. I know. (laughs) I'm going to cry and scream. I know. It's the best show. We also need to introduce everyone to our favourite word. Oh, yeah. Okay, so my boyfriend Zach is Assyrian and his family have this Assyrian word that they use, which is jada, and it just means... No. It's just like, oh. <laughs> it's the best way. It's like a word for that thing when you see someone, you're like, oh. A little bit tragic or a little bit embarrassing, but yeah. means well. Better sweetheart. Yeah. You're just like. So it's kind of Jared from The Bachelor Australia. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's a bit jade. He's jade because he'll, he'll just say something and you're like, oh. So we do it all the time. And now we've found it relevant to so much. Everyone's jade. Yeah. Even things are jade. Like. <laughs> We were driving into Italy and these like cute little mountains popped up. And I was like, Yuzi, look at those little Jare mountains. They're so cute. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, if we start using that, that's now what you know it means. what it means. Yeah. So there's a few words now. So there's Jare for oh and bus, which everyone now knows means six. Yeah, that's our friend Tilly trademarked that word. I don't even know how she came up with it. Came up with it. And I remember one time we were um Someone was like sleeping with someone and they, our friends were all talking about how they'd slept at a guy's house and they'd like run their hand under the pillow and there was a condom underneath. And we were like, what was he doing? Like hoping the bus fairy would come. <laughs> bus <laughs> <The> fairy. fairy. <laughs> the bus fairy. The bus fairy. Also in Milan, we realised that Grace and I suffer from different areas that we're not confident in. I know. It was like a real like. Jare little <laughs> time time where we both just end up crying and talking well not, well not crying maybe me but talking about how we felt really unconfident in certain areas and then we our areas like complement each other's so we started boosting each other up yeah so we'd be at fashion shows and basically I love chatting to people and I just am always myself in conversations and am really chatty and friendly and full on (laughs) and so we'd go to fashion shows and we and I would be sitting beside someone and then by the end of it we'd be great friends we would have swapped Instagram details we've been chatting away the Mm. whole time we've been laughing and Grace would come up to me and just say how did that happen if I was sitting beside someone I didn't know I just wouldn't talk to them at all because I would think that they didn't want to talk to me at all and I would think that they would think I'm annoying and who am I to talk to them Mm -hmm. because usually it was kind of esteemed editors from around the world but everyone was just lovely and friendly Mm. but when you're at those things and you work in the fashion industry just the dumb thing is to kind of be a little bit Anna Wintour about it yeah I think something that I feel like I've recently discovered that I have a problem with confidence which I know sounds 
kind of strange because we talk on this all the time and we that's what I seem extroverted and confident like it's not an obvious external thing but I just second guess I was saying to Izzy like every time I have interactions with people afterwards I'll like overanalyze everything and say like you shouldn't have said that that was stupid or why did you do that or why did you do this or why were you not this enough or that enough or it's not smart enough or not funny enough like I just cannot get out of my own head in over critiquing everything that I do and I never feel I don't know how to describe it like I never feel confident enough in my sense of self to not feel the need to go and nitpick everything that I could be doing better it's like a perfectionism Mm -hmm. thing and uh yeah so we would leave conversations and we'd be walking down the street and Grace would start saying that out loud. So she'd sort of be like, I wish I said this or why did I say that? And I was like, what is happening right now? Yeah, because it's always been in my brain, but yeah. it's the first time we'd started talking about it. Yeah. And then I kind of was, the whole time I'd just kind of coach her into being like, the thing people like about me and you is that we are friendly and that we do have things to say about topics and that we are engaging and that we do genuinely want to know and talk to people and so what for example we met a woman and then we went we'd never met her before and we went out for coffee with her mm. and we had the best coffee and the best chat and we were all being really friendly and we're all, she's got a podcast as well and we were helping her and telling her just little tips and tricks and afterwards I was like see that was so fun and she's so cool and like we, we made friends with someone we wouldn't have made friends with before and then I just feel like that wouldn't have you wouldn't have felt confident doing that usually. Well, I just wouldn't have even if we talked to her at the show. I would never have gone up and talked to her at the coffee shop like I did with you because I'd be like, "She's going to find you annoying. She's going to be like, why do you keep talking to me? She's going to be, yeah. you know what I mean?" And then I think sometimes that can end up coming off as standoffish when really it's me panicking about not wanting to burden someone else with my company. It's so weird. Yeah, exactly. And I think things like. I don't want to be like, oh, I'm so nice, but niceness, I think people will dislike or being too smart, people will see as being a know-it-all. Like I just... Wow. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. So funny. I find it so difficult and it's so silly. Yeah. And even we met this woman who was just a legend and she lives in London and she's so cool and she's so chic and she's got her own fashion brand and she's a, she's a writer and she's always been freelance and she's just fucking cool mm. but straight away I was like we're gonna come to blah blah's shop and we're gonna get coffee with her and rah 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 and Grace kind of was just looked so taken aback because she was like I'm so sorry that Izzy's putting this all on you <laughs> and then within two <laughs> seconds we'd all swap details and we're gonna hang out with her in London and we'd FaceTimed her children yeah I like know everyone and then we went out for dinner with her like everyone's exactly I feel like you're really people. helping me with that it's mm. just I think it's just fear of how you're being perceived all the time which I just don't like about myself yeah but I just can't get out of it yeah, see, in my head, I would rather be perceived as kind of – because I – yeah, I feel like I would rather be perceived as maybe a little bit annoying than <laughs> than than standoffish. Right. I would rather chat to someone and be more friendly than – and them to be like, oh, because I'll pick up pretty quickly if they didn't want to talk back. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather them be like, that girl was kind of annoying instead of just being like, that girl was standoffish. Right. But then what you're helping me with, <laughs> which is <laughs> the full story of that, is that Izzy's helped me so much and now I'm feeling so much more on top of it. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're smart and funny and people want to hear what you got to say. Hmm. And that Grace is helping me in a more superficial way. Yes. <laughs> feel more confident about my outfits. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But seriously, because I would always doubt myself because I we both work in fashion and we both – 
love fashion and write about it all the time, but Grace has always been way more into shopping and kind of picking, I don't know, picking out. So I would always come to Grace and say, is this a good outfit Mm -hmm. for everything? Or should I buy this? And then because we were in separate places, so Grace was staying at a hotel with her work and I was staying at a hotel with my work, we couldn't get ready together. (laughs) And so I would just be in this frazzled state by myself, but trying not to, because she would have bit different work events that I wasn't at. And so I couldn't text her in a frazzled state like I usually would, 74 WhatsApp photos of different outfits. So I'd just have to be fending for myself. And then by the end of it, I felt like I just came into myself a little bit. 100% is the same thing as just overthinking it for no reason. Like you just second guess and doubt yourself all of the time. I was like, is this good or is this absolutely horrifically ugly? You do have to go through a period of wearing crazy shit, I think, to discover your own style. Mm. I think I had a lot of shockers yeah but then you just get a sense of it's just it's just exactly the same thing as what you're talking about it's just be, being like confident enough in yourself to just not second guess it every two seconds yeah because just stupid things so we went to when we went to rome um last year we went to a vintage shop and i found this cute cardigan this blue cardigan it was 20 euro or whatever and i bought it and it's just vintage and i was like oh i'll tuck it into jeans or whatever and then i tucked it into these white pants and thought this is going to be horrible or weird <laughs> because because you because in your head you're like I just got this from a it's just this is just a shit cardigan you can't just wear it to fashion week <laughs> this is the worst conversation let's go, let's go to something uh, a bit more interesting for other people no I feel like people might be into this but yeah and then you were like this is nice and I was like that is nice and I'm the same I, I'm like inverse of you where because I don't think about it when you're messaging me to be like, what should I wear and stuff? I'm like, well, just wear that. Like, you look nice. I don't understand what the question is. Whereas with me, you're like, why would you? Why would you second guess your personality? Your personality? Yeah. I know. I feel crazy saying it because I don't. I don't not think I have a good personality. I just, I just am very overly critical. I think of myself and very perfectionist, and mm. I think that that means that I spend every minute of every day looking for improvements in myself. But that's why we do. The po- that's why we started the podcast in the first place was because we started the podcast because we used to go to work events together and people would say that we would bounce off each other and yeah. bring out the best in each other in terms of conversations and confidence and chattiness and that's why this whole thing started. Yeah, I, I think part of it's like a bit of imposter syndrome as well, which we've talked about before, yeah. which is that you feel you're in a room and you feel like you're going to burden someone else with your presence you, because you feel like they belong there and you don't and they're going to yeah. sniff out straight away that you don't and then it's going to be them stuck with you which is so silly because the only difference between a person who belongs somewhere and who doesn't once they're there is the feeling that they do and the confidence they give off that they do you know what I mean I just realized I was <laughs> lying back like a couch with no shoes on and everyone <laughs> in the ACAST office can see me so I'm sitting up but <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And that's the other thing is you think that everyone else thinks they belong. Like as if everyone in at Milan Fashion Week thinks that they belong there. I know. It's just no but one it's, does. It, but this is the thing that's crazy about confidence because confidence is everything. This is what I'm realizing. The actual physical attributes that a person has or the actual personality they have or what they're wearing, none of that really is relevant at all. It's whether or not they can work it and are confident in wearing it. You could be wearing head-to-toe designer that a designer has given you and have the most beautiful, perfect hair and the most thing, whatever, and have the most interesting conversation and be stunningly beautiful. And if you're not confident and don't know it about yourself, it's irrelevant because mm. that body language and the way that you execute things. And even every 
person. So we might be there and we might be thinking in terms of all of the editors who are there, we're quite young and maybe they're looking at us and thinking, who are you and why are you sitting here or whatever? But they are looking at other, they're looking at other people and thinking that they don't belong here versus them. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. Apart from really famous ones. <laughs> but yeah, so. Uh, another really funny part was um, when I turned, we were leaving a show <laughs> and I turned around. And so you kind of, we were sitting at the show and then we were leaving and we there's so many people leaving at the same time. And I turned around. And Eddie and I had been having a conversation about something completely different before it started. Yeah, so it wasn't yeah. to do with the show. Yeah. <laughs> and then I turn around and Grace is facing who's this um, woman who works at and she's got quite a lot of followers and she was walking out and Grace was facing her talking to her and I was like, what is happening? And face looked so confused and upset. <laughs> upset. Because I said, so her and Izzy have, have quite similar hair, like a similar cut lob. and lob and Izzy had been behind me and I turned to her to talk to her about something from earlier and I was like, well, that wasn't a vibe. <laughs> I just said it and she was like, what? And I was like, oh my God. And then I just panicked. And then I turned away and then I realised she might have thought I meant it about the show, which I didn't mean at all because I loved the show. And then I was like, that wasn't about the show. And she was like, stop talking to me. <laughs> and then I turned around and was like, what is happening? And started like bur- and burst out laughing. And then she looked at me and she was just like, how do I get the fuck away from these people ASAP? Yeah. Oh, God. God. So- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Good. On to a more serious topic. So this week, Izzy and I were together in an Italian hotel lobby when the news broke that Harvey Weinstein had been found guilty of two counts of predatory sexual assault. Um, It was two of the five possible indictments that he could have had. He was found guilty on and not guilty on three of them. Is that right? Uh, I think he was found guilty of two counts of sexual assault, but the thing that he wasn't found guilty of was the predatory sexual behaviour, which could have put him away for life. But there were six women who testified. I think that's maybe where you're getting the number from. Yes. But he was only facing charges in connection with two of them. Yes. So he's now looking at up to 25 years of prison, minimum five years, uh, and that's not including the indictments in Los Angeles and potentially the UK. So suffice to say he's going to be in prison for a long time now. I think everyone kind of... It was. It felt like a sigh, a collective sigh of relief, I think, when it happened. I was so shocked that it happened. So we were sitting down and we were working... And I got a New York Times alert and it said the jury has reached its verdict. And I looked at Grace and I was like, does that mean we're going to hear any second now? And so I started refreshing Twitter because it's the first place anything pops up. And I just wrote Harvey Weinstein, refresh, refresh, 
refresh, and then it just popped up and was like, has been found guilty. And we both burst into tears. We both started crying, which I really didn't think that I would have that reaction. But it it literally just felt like this huge tension Mm. that has been building for years and years and years and years. And this quiet fear everyone had that there would be no accountability and that we would never get to see justice done for all these women who've been so brave and who've opened the floodgates on this thing. I just couldn't stop thinking about all the different cases that were in She Said and To Catch and Kill and yes, the high profile cases, but all just like the production assistants and the young women who never got to have careers and who've just spent their whole lives. And the woman who taped herself for the police and went back into a room yeah. with Weinstein just to get him on the record and then they dropped the case against her. Yeah, I just think that thinking about what they all went through just to know that at that exact moment every single one of them was feeling the exact same thing, which was just fucking relief, mm. was really powerful. And as we talked about earlier, we thought that potentially because these two cases were quite shaky and there was so much back and forth, we thought that it might not come off as a guilty verdict mm. and then that would throw everything with me too. Yeah, exactly. And the New York Times now have done a huge tally. We'll put it in the show notes, but it's basically all of the men that have high profile men that have had accusations post Me Too. And then it's a table with the latest in terms of the ramifications, like legal and professional. So whether they've had to retire or resign or whether they've been fired and then where the legal standing is in the case. And it's this amazing ongoing document, which is really worth looking at if you're feeling dismayed ever at anything because it's a reminder that stuff is changing and this Mm. is the first really high profile case apart from Bill Cosby to be resulting in a prison sentence but I'm hoping this will be the new norm now. I couldn't stop thinking about Rose McGowan especially Mm. because I just feel for her so so much and Grace and I were talking about this on the way here um, how Grace was reading an interview with her and Rose was saying that the way she is now and this hard face she puts on and how, um, I don't know, what's the word? Just like no bullshit she is, isn't yeah. the way that she is naturally. And I feel like I see that with her. She's just so hardened by all of this crap that's happened to her in the world. And then finally, there's a little bit of justice for her. She said something really beautiful. Is in a, It's in an interview with Ronan Farrow in The New Yorker that they've published almost in full. And I think they're going to publish it as a podcast episode as well. And it, she basically says something like this, this like hardness that I have isn't native to me is how she said it. And she said, I, it was a really calculated decision I made to get people caring about this, that I had to be tough and angry and aggressive and assertive in a way that I don't want to be because she's like, I think of myself as a very soft person, but I knew that that was the only way that people would take notice. And she says it's, she said the phrase something like, it's like I'm laying on barbed wire being stepped on, but it's fine because I can handle it. I know I can take it, so I'll take it for everyone else kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And she just wanted this huge shift, which she's achieved. She's been so instrumental in achieving this. She said she's so much more – I think people think of her as very reactive and emotional, but she's so much more thoughtful and considerate and has planned everything to be the way that it is. So with the tweet that she sent out in 2016 that was a very veiled – accusation against Harvey Weinstein she said that was for me to send out the bat signal to journalists you need to start investigating this so she said I didn't do it as just a tweet off the cuff thing I did it because I wanted people to start investigating him I was like now is the time there's no excuse for them not to do it now yeah I love Rose McGowan and I'm so 
happy that there's a little bit of justice for her, especially all of the crap. Like she was even put through so much crap when the New York Times and the New York, well, Ronan Farrow were investigating Weinstein. He got black cube operatives to to stalk her, made a woman go undercover to pretend to be working for like a women's rights organisation who wanted to speak to Rose McGowan and who wanted to um, talk to her about everything she's been through. And this woman became her friend and became her trusted confidant. And Rose McGowan once told her she felt like she couldn't trust anyone except for this woman. And this woman was a black cube operative hired by Harvey Weinstein who was going back to Harvey Weinstein and telling him everything she said. It's literally insane. Something she said in this interview as well, which was so fascinating, was that she said she'd been a teenage runaway. She'd been very hardened by the world. I think she'd been a survivor of sexual assault before Harvey Weinstein. And she said that something she had after the assault happened was that she didn't feel guilt and shame because she knew she, – she said, I knew it wasn't my fault. I'd worked through that stuff before that other people have to work through later, before. But she said what I did know straight away was that I was at the peak of my career. I was making them a billion dollars – I think with the Scream movies or whatever wow. franchise. Um, and she said, I knew the second that happened, that w- was my career done. Because she said, I know in myself that I couldn't deal with it and pretend it was all okay and not be honest about it. And I knew that he would blacklist me forever from it. So she at 21 or 22, just as her career had taken off, knew that it was just over. Yeah. Disgusting. Disgusting. What did you make of the Natalie Portman Rose McGowan situation. Oh, yeah. So we haven't talked about this, but uh, so Natalie Portman wore that Dior outfit to the Oscars and on her cape she had stitched the names of all the female directors that should have been nominated. So then the day afterwards, Rose McGowan blasts her in a big statement basically saying that Natalie Portman is a hypocrite for wearing that and that she shouldn't be called brave for wearing that cape and that all of the press coverage around Natalie Portman is kind of a bit much because Rose McGowan pointed out that Natalie Portman has worked with two female directors in her entire career and one of them was herself. So Rose McGowan's basically saying that Portman and a bunch of other actresses kind of say that they are fighting for the cause but then behind the scenes they're really not. And that was pretty shocking that she's worked with one female director in her entire career apart from herself. Yeah, I think that's really interesting as well. And I think that people were quick to say, oh, why is Rose McGowan jumping on Natalie Portman and it's so unfair and if women are supporting women, who are you to cut them down? But I do think that people should bring up this hypocrisy because I think that there is this double-sided aspect of Hollywood where people are happy to make big PR appearances when it's palatable, you know? Mm. Like I do think there's a bit of a thing where what Natalie Portman did is great, but there was such an uproar about the snubbing of female directors this year that it it wasn't a really a bold statement to make, really. No. So I think the fact that she's saying, okay, you're doing this thing and it's like nice and pretty and palatable and it's not going to lose you any jobs, but you're not doing anything on the other side of the camera to demand that you only work with female directors or that there needs to be inclusion writers or all of those things that will actually make a tangible difference. I think it's cool that she brought it up. Yeah, I think it's cool she brought it up, but I'm worried that her doing that will stop other actresses from wanting to... Because I guess, yes, Natalie Portman should be working behind the scenes, which she she might very well be, that we don't know about. But also, it's really important for people to be making these public stands. Mm-hmm. And now I'm worried that with Rose McGowan calling her out like that, 
Natalie Portman won't want to do that again, but so will other actresses. Exactly. And Natalie Portman, as we said before, never called herself brave. That was a media thing. And in her response, she said, I don't think I'm brave. I just did this. I don't. Yeah, she said brave is a term I more strongly associate with actions like those of the women who have been testifying against Harvey Weinstein these last few weeks under incredible pressure. The past few years have seen a blossoming of directing opportunities for women due to the collective efforts of many people who have been calling out the system um, and basically says that she's only made films with a few women. That's true. But she has made, yeah, and then she pointed out all of the other things she's done with women and that she's trying to make more. I think as well, it's very, very important uh, if we're going to criticise people for not working with female directors, to acknowledge, I've got this list up. This is from 2016, so I'm, there might be a few slight, slight differences. But in the main, among the household names that have never, ever worked with a female director are Sean Connery, Sylvester Stallone, Ben Stiller, Matt Damon, Tom Cruise and Tobey Maguire. Of the actors who have worked with a female director once, ever in their careers, Christopher Walken, Nicolas Cage, Robert Downey Jr and Brad Pitt. Samuel L. Jackson, Johnny Depp, Ben Affleck and Joseph Gordon-Levitt have only worked with two female directors in their entire careers and 16 of the world's top leading men such as Michael Caine, Will Ferrell, Chris Rock and Leonardo DiCaprio have only worked with female directors three times. Yeah. So laying the blame at Natalie Portman's door, no. Yeah. There are so many top male actors who've never worked with a female director once. So crazy. And I guess that is in part to do with the fact that Female directors never win Oscars, so female directors' films are made way less than male. Mm. But these people should really, well, these men and women should really be just these top for that. stars. Like so often in the Hollywood system now, that stars are so powerful that they have a position to request directors. I think now, mm. I don't know if that's naive to say, but like I think if Leonardo DiCaprio, you've got people now. Like I think Margot Robbie said that she wanted to work with a female director for Birds of Prey and she needed them to hire a female director for it because she wanted a female to tell the story. Stars are in power, like do have the power to dictate who directs films. I'm pretty sure she started her production company to work with women. Yeah. That's why she started it. So I think, yeah, I think that Rose McGowan is right in saying that I think it's not Natalie Portman's fault. I think it's great that she is saying things when she has the power to say them. I think it's the way that the media responds to this is that we'll jump on little, easy, sugary, bite-sized pieces of activism and parade them around because they don't make us uncomfortable. Yeah. Like Natalie Portman in a beautiful couture Dior gown that has little intricately embroidered things saying Greta Gerwig is a very palatable form of feminism. Rose McGowan shaving her head and screaming, Harvey Weinstein is a rapist, Hollywood is full of rapists, is not. palatable feminism you know so I can see how that would frustrate her because she's like I want big change and everyone's heroing little change that isn't really that meaningful totally but then that little change is getting so much attention yeah so goes both ways annoyingly but that's just how the media works yeah love Natalie Portman no critique of her and love Rose McGowan no critique of her either (laughs) two queens yes (laughs) Okay, shall we wrap this up? You guys are going to have some more hilarious drama this time <laughs> next week because we're going to Paris Fashion Week next. Yes. Um, and I'm going to get so many croissants and pasta. <laughs> I love Cashew Pepe and I love Neville who's walking towards us. Hi, Neville. Thank you, everyone. Please rate, review and subscribe. 
and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.